Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. I am Jordan Maywood, the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today, this whole week, in fact, I am just messing around with uh, the days of the week. Because within the Liberal Cube, I uh, sometimes do not pay attention to the actual days of the week and make up my own. For example, today in the Liberal Cube is Book Wednesday, yet yesterday was Third Video Games Day. How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible um, at some point. Maybe not today. We're a little short on time, so just take my word for it. Will you? You will. Since it is the season um, to talk about weather, being a Canadian, I'm going to do so for 10 seconds, just to say that right now, uh, without the wind chill, it is minus 22. <laughs> that is goddamn freezing. Uh, I had to take the garbage out today um, for a, probably a walk of 20 seconds. And by the time I got back, I had already a nice buildup of ice in my mustache. Crazy. It has not been this cold in, I would hesitate to say, years. Literally years. I'm not complaining. I like it. Um, there's no... I repeat, zero snow on the roads. That's the only reason I don't like winter, is snow on roads. And there is none right now, so minus 22. <laughs> it's, to me, more fun and funny than anything. Okay, so, uh, let's see. Today's sponsor is Pennywise the Clown Investment Agency. Once again, today's sponsor is Pennywise, the Clown's investment agency. We all make money down here. <laughs> uh, something important for uh, the beginning of every episode, which uh, I'm pretty good at remembering to do, is to say there will be spoilers in this episode. So, you have been warned. This is your one and only warning. Alert, alert, spoiler, alert. If you listen to last book Wednesday, you will know I am uh, rereading the Dark Tower series by Mr. Stephen King. Uh, just finished last night, in fact, book the second um, of the series called Drawing of the Three. Oh, baby. Let's, uh, I don't know if I did this in the first episode. May have thrown out a rating. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't for a series. I can't remember. So let's just goddamn well do it, right? I feel like doing it. I'm going to do it. Here it goes. Five out of five for the series as a whole. That's from what I remember. Uh, book one, after reading, give a five out of five. Book two, after completing, five out of five. This series is super amazing balls. Combines many, many good things. 
let's uh, this time just kind of run down my notes and uh, see what they have to say. How about that for a podcasting format? It may even make sense. I will say, minus 23 now, according to the old uh, thermometer. Just to throw that in there. So, the story here, if you... You know what I'm going to say? I'm not going to backtrack too much into the first book, just because you have that podcast readily available to you, so why don't you go listen to it? Huh? 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 Um... I will say, let's start this way. You, the uh, main character of the series, Mr. Roland, the last remaining gunslinger in a world that has, quote, moved on, uh, awakens on a beach. I think we've talked how in video games, the sort of waking up uh, is a good way to start, and uh, I don't mind it in a book either, sort of. You're waking up, and that is the start of your book. He wakes up, and there is... Wakes up on a beach, uh, and high tide is coming in. Or, no, no, uh, dusk is falling, or rising, depending on what dusk does. And there are giant lobster crab-looking things kind of heading up the beach towards him. So, uh, not exactly a happy awakening, more of a rude awakening. What is that from? Rude awakening. Mm, Something. So these uh, crab things, what later uh, they end up calling lobstrosities, (laughs) which I like that name, lobster monstrosities, lobstrosities, I like it, uh, are talking, sort of. They're saying things like, and it's always sort of in the form of a question, which uh, I found odd. Um, I wrote down two of the examples of things that they say. One is Dada Chum, and one is Dada Chum. No, sorry. Dada Chum, Dada Chuck. 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 Um, and, uh, etc. I suppose I could have thrown in an etc. a little earlier there, but I was having fun. And, um, the person who I was driving beside was uh, looking at me weird, so I thought I would continue on with that. Uh, so, the, uh, the second part of this rude awakening is that one of these lobstrosities um, ends up not only cutting him up a little bit, but severing and eating two of the fingers on his right hand. Oh, snap. Or maybe not snap anymore, because you're missing some fingers, right? Um, Roland, the gunslinger, whose main sort of uh, mode of health life is slinging a gun, as you can imagine, missing a couple fingers on his gun slinging hand uh, is not a good thing. No, sir. So now he has to go through the rest of the series missing fingers on his gun hand. Shitty, shitty buzz. It reminded me of, um, if you uh, read rather than watched the Walking Dead 
comic books, you will know that Rick lost his... Oh, shit, I can't remember if it was just his hand or his whole arm. I think it was his hand and some of his arm um, in, the, in the comic books he did. And I remember reading that... Oh, shit. Well, what I don't remember reading is the creator of Walking Dead. Ah, oh, shit. That's embarrassing, because that's something a nerd should know. And I would get it if I thought about it, but uh, no time for thinking. Uh, I remember him saying that he wished he had not had done that to Rick, because then throughout the rest of the series, he had to try to sort of think of ways around um, Rick not having uh, having a hand. So uh, I wonder if Stephen King ever came across that, where he wished he did not have um, Roland lose some fingers because it made writing certain things more difficult, having to take that into account. So that's a, a little interesting uh, tidbit slash thought. So the whole book, Drawing of the Three, is about basically Roland building up his, let's call it a posse, because he's kind of a, a cowboy, uh, building up his posse in order to start the quest uh, for the Dark Tower. His sort of overriding goal through everything, every part of his life, is this search, this quest for the Dark Tower and what is held there, which at this point we don't know what it is, and uh, actually neither does Roland really know what's there. It is one way to describe it that's even described early in these books. It is the nexus of all universes. The nexus of time, the nexus of space, and even uh, something that I thought they did cool, the nexus of size. So, for example, there's always that thought that, well, I'll use the example they use, that a... Uh, that on a leaf in a dewy meadow, um, one of the dewdrops contains within it a whole other universe that is just much smaller, so we can't see it. So this is at the center of all things, the Dark Tower. Cool? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, so this book, the whole book, is just him gathering the sort of... Uh, the people who are going to accompany him on this quest, on the furtherance of this quest. If you cannot tell, uh, I am excited by this. I love, love, love a good quest. So uh, the way he does this is starts walking up the beach that he woke up on. He is sick. The uh, lobstrosities uh, that attacked him infected him. Uh, I don't think with poison, no, not with poison so much as just like a, a bad cut kind of got infected, blood poisoning. <laughs> use, the word, use the word blood poisoning, but I don't mean poison. You know what I mean. Uh, and as he's walking along this beach for miles and miles and days, he will come across three doors. The doors are cool that he comes across because you can see them... Uh, from the front, and he can see that he's sort of making his way up to them hours in advance as he's walking. But then if you go to the back side of the door, uh, you can't see anything. So there's sort of like doors to an alternate universe. Again, love shit like that, man. The first door is where 
they each say something on the door. The first door says, The Prisoner. Uh, he opens it, and he is then able to view from the inside of the... How do I explain this? Yeah, from the inside of the skull of a man by the name of Eddie Dean. So it's as if he is looking through the eyes of a person. Alright? Imagine you were suddenly in someone else's head and able to see through their eyes. That's what happens when he opens these doors. He can then, um, what he calls, step forward and either talk to these people um, in their heads, or, uh, even further, can take control of their bodies. Ooh, that's a nice little, little twist there. Uh, Eddie Dean is a prisoner because he is addicted to heroin. Uh, his section of this book is the most in-depth, I would say, and uh, the most exciting, too, I think, because it starts off where he's on a plane and has uh, drugs sort of taped to his body and gets caught by, the, by some of the stewardesses, flight attendants, whatever you want to call yourself... Uh, and then uh, this is where a sort of interesting mechanic comes into play because uh, it turns out that Roland is able to take things from uh, what is actually our world that we are living in, I should specify. Eddie Dean lives in this world um, in the 80s, 87, 1987. Okay, so, and, and Roland is in this alternate universe, Earth, um, in... I think we learn or can assume that it is an Earth that is many, many thousands of years in the future from ours. So, uh, yeah, we learn of the me mechanic that he can take things from our existing world to his alternate world. Uh, in this case, the drugs. So Eddie does not get caught for smuggling drugs. The drugs he was bringing, he was bringing to some bad, bad men, as you do with drugs, uh, who were uh, holding his brother hostage. Let's wrap up Eddie's section by saying his brother was also a heroin addict, and as these people were sort of uh, holding him hostage and kind of, I guess you would say, taking care of him, giving him heroin every once in a while, they... Uh, gave him too much, and he OD'd, so he lost it, just went totally freaking crazy. Uh, and him and Roland had a shootout with all these gangsters. This uh, whole section was one of the coolest sort of battle sections I've ever read for reasons that I won't get into. Uh, Eddie was naked during this battle, which is something that uh, I, for some reason, sort of vividly remember when reading this originally, how he was naked and how Roland pointed out that it is not easy to to uh, fight when you are naked because you quite often feel vulnerable and uh, just can't just can't fight. Uh, so, cool beans. This section ends with Eddie being transported to Roland's world through the door. He, uh, I should mention, brings along some penicillin for Roland uh, to cure his, because he's steadily getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Um, and then, once there, Roland slams the door shut, 
uh, keeping Eddie from returning to his world. Eddie? Not too happy about this, <laughs> as you can imagine. So here you have Roland, who is near death with um, his sickness from the lobstrosities, and here you have Eddie Dean, who is a heroin addict, who has zero access to heroin, so uh, quite a couple, <laughs> quite a couple of guys uh, on this quest. They uh, sort of have no choice, really, but to head further up the beach in their state towards the next door. Mm, baby. I think that will be a good spot to, uh, to take a break and come back this afternoon. What do you think? Waiting for your response. Patiently. Bated breath. Yes, okay, so that's what we'll do. We'll save the last two doors, ooh, the last two drawings of the threes for this afternoon. I like that idea very much. Uh, before we leave, I will say it is now minus 24. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Supposed to, get, supposed to get warmer during the day, no? Probably because I'm driving and moving along. Uh, I will also say, as I tend to do, before I do eight hours of work, I will say, Love you, Jerry's. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. <laughs> so I heard on the radio today that uh, today is the coldest day it has been in two years. So I was right. Didn't I say something like that? That I don't remember it being this cold in a long time. Anyways, that's enough weather talk. Is it not? It is. <sighs> hmm. Oh yeah. Let's move on to our next drawing. We uh, got out of the way this morning, if I do recall, Mr. Eddie Dean and his pulling from our world to Roland's. So let's move on to number two, the deuce. I... You know what? I didn't write down what it said on her door. Um, I don't remember either. Anyways, the next person... Her names, uh, plural, oh, oh, there's a little hint for you. Her names are Detta and Odetta. I believe it was Odetta Holmes and Detta Walker. Why two names for one person? Well, duh. Obviously, she is a schizophrenic split personality. Awesome for a character idea within a fantasy novel. I have never seen a schizophrenic split personality in a fantasy novel, so I like it. A little, little different. Roland uh, opens the door to her mind, as he did with uh, Eddie, and she is in a store shoplifting. <laughs> oh no. Unlike with Eddie, we spend uh, much less time with uh, Dada, Odetta, uh, in our world, he sort of 
uh, sees what's happening and immediately jumps in control of immediately uh, jumps in control of her body. Uh, the first thing he notices is that she is in a wheelchair. So um, we go from a heroin junkie to a schizophrenic split personality um, girl in a wheelchair. So as far as choosing people to come on a quest with you, probably not your ideal choices, right? He uh, jumps in control. She, at that point, was sort of being caught in the act of shoplifting. Uh, so she wheels quickly into Roland, I guess you would say, wheels her quickly into a uh, changing room where she does her little disappearing act into Roland's world. And that's it for her sort of section in our world. Now, where the trouble happens is that, oh, uh, you know what? I'll just throw uh, into that she was a uh, African American woman during the time, sort of around the Kennedy assassination. So she was from slightly uh, a couple decades before Eddie's time. Just to give you a sort of idea of where these people are coming from, time-wise, she had a uh, her father. Uh, I should say Odetta Holmes's father was a uh, sort of wealthy, upper-class African-American during this time, which I guess is, uh, I was not alive anywhere near during these times, but apparently that was somewhat rare. Uh, he was in the sort of dental, let's just, he wasn't a dentist, he sold dental equipment. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so that was Odetta. Holmes. Now, Detta Walker came about because as a child, someone um, from a apartment building threw a rock, uh, threw a rock and uh, hit her in the head, and that sort of brought out this uh, Detta Walker, who is sort of a stereotypical, this comes up, uh, a stereotypical ornery black uh, woman from the South, sort of, uh, not even not even stereotypical isn't the right word, um, a caricature of, uh, of a southern black slave, I guess you could say. And she hates, hates, hates white people. I cannot get over how much she hates them. What's she call them? Hunky motherfuckers is what she likes to call us. <laughs> Very angrily. And her first sort of act on arriving in Roland's world is to try to kill both of them. So they have to tie her to her wheelchair. And as they do, as they, uh, as Roland is sort of forced to do, they head on her way, head on their way to the third door. There is, uh, as this is happening, sort of a brief moment in which Odetta makes an appearance. Um, and her and Eddie sort of have the first blossomings of a love affair. Once uh, they reach... Yeah, let's jump to the third door. Why don't we? They were in such a bad state with Roland being sick once again from his lobstrosity infection to the point where he could just not go on any further. Uh, Odetta, Detta Walker, Odetta slash Detta, let's call her, could not go on any further either, 
So Eddie was sort of, who was not in the greatest shape himself, because imagine, I'm not sure if at this point it's weeks or days, they had been eating nothing but lobster, which, as you can imagine, is not that good for you. They're, uh, they were sort of had the onset of scurvy. Their teeth were getting loose, uh, getting scabs. It was not a pretty picture for them. Roland got Eddie to go on without him, and when he came to the door to come back and get him, so what happened was, uh, at this point, it is the nice, uh, sort of reserved Odetta with Eddie who make it to the door, so he leaves her at the door with uh, one of two guns and then heads back for Roland, and it takes him a couple of days to get there and back. By the time he is back, uh, Odetta is gone. Nowhere to be found. So, they assume, quite rightly, that Detta has taken over again. Ooh. They have no choice, though. Roland has no choice but to try the third door because he needs more penicillin to, well, save his life. Simple as that. Eddie probably should have stayed at his side. However decides to go looking for his love Odetta slash person who wants to kill him, Detta. Uh, Roland enters this third door. I, I do remember what this one said. It said, the pusher. Because within side, within this brain that he jumps into this time, is a psychopathic serial killer who pushes people into traffic or in front of trains. Just for the sake of it, why don't we run down what Mr. Roland, the gunslinger, has pulled from our world in order to go on his uh, fantasy quest for the Dark Tower at the Nexus of the Universe. Why don't we? Uh, first, a heroin junkie. Yeah. Then... A schizophrenic split personality in a wheelchair. Ah, yes. Last, but certainly not least, a psychopathic serial killer. Ah, not good at all. Now, with this last one, he again, rather than get into any sort of conversation, jumps immediately to the forefront and takes over this man's body. The man by the name of Jack Mort. Now, it turns out that Jack Mort was um, A, the one who pushed the little kid in front of a car in the first book that put him in Roland's world. Wow. Coincidence. Crazy. And B, the one who pushed uh, Odetta in front of the train that cut off her legs. What? So, something that starts to uh, come to mind as reading this, uh, I just remember the sort of crazy coincidences such as this that just pop up uh, like non-stop. Coincidences that blow your mind as reading it. Especially if, uh, as in my case, and I'm sure many others, have read a lot of Stephen King books, because something that uh, during this section with Jack Mort that comes to fruition is that Roland, uh, back in his sort of heyday as a gunslinger, 
during um, various wars, which never, uh, I don't remember if they ever get too much into these wars that Roland uh, fought in the, I guess something you could call the Gunslinger Wars, and the reason why he is the last Gunslinger. Anyways, during those wars, he came, uh, uh, he came in contact with an enemy by the name of Randall Friggin Flag. Randall Flag. Now, for some of you, that may not mean anything. For me, it means a huge deal because Randall Flag is the bad, super, super bad, baddest ever person, we'll say person in quotes, from Stephen King's book, The Stand, which is um, definitely, if not my favorite book of all time, always within my top five of books. So that sort of blew my mind. It's, I kind of plan to not give away too much uh, that will happen in future books and just kind of take it as it comes. However, uh, one thing I can't help but get off my chest now that this has come, uh, this has come up is that within the uh, Dark Tower series, there is a lot of interconnectedness with other characters from Stephen King novels. Uh, I'll just leave it at that for now. As things like that pop up, I'll bring them back, because uh, I remember many years ago reading this series that uh, that kind of shit just blew my mind and made me fall in love with this series. Uh, yes. So, a bit of a ramble there. <laughs> let's, uh, let's leave it with what? Uh, this section was cool because Roland was sort of large and in charge of this body that he had sort of two things in his mind that needed to goddamn well get done before he headed back. Uh, three, I guess, actually. One was he needed bullets. They were down to, in his world, um, they had bullets, technically speaking, but they are bullets that had been kind of wetted uh, when he first woke up on that beach where he lost his fingers. So... Uh, some of them worked, some of them didn't. He couldn't really tell which ones would work and which ones would not. And even considering they all worked, he was down to like maybe a dozen. So he stocked up, got himself 400 bullets. Uh, the other, obviously, he needed his, uh, they call it in the book, a key flex, which I'm guessing is a type of penicillin. He needed that, so he got uh, 200 pills of that. And uh, the last thing that he I guess, needed to do was kill Jack Mort. So, he did that as well. Because he, as a gunslinger, could not let this man live. There was a, a, a section in this in which the body of Jack Mort inhabited by Roland is shot at by police. Roland purposely did not kill any of the cops who were shooting at him. He kind of took them down uh, in really cool ways without killing them, because he felt that they were sort of the gunslingers of this time, which sure makes sense. However, he was shot by one of them, and um, shot in the chest, and you know what saved him? I'm going to leave a pause here for you to answer me. For you who have listened to this podcast, for you ha who have listened to perhaps my Far Cry 3 podcast, in which... 
Uh, I was shot in the video game and saved by a Zippo lighter. And when I mention that, I mention that this has happened in things I have seen and read before. And it goddamn well happened here. He was shot and the bullet hit a Zippo lighter in my pocket, which saved my life. How about that? Why does that happen all the time? What is with Zippo lighters? I want, you know what I want? I want Mythbusters to do this myth that if I am shot in the chest and it hits a Zippo lighter, it will save me. I kind of bet it wouldn't. Actually, cool, in this case, it exploded in a sort of fiery, smoldering inferno. Uh, Roland inhabiting the body of Jack Mort did not care, kind of liked it, because uh, it was almost as if Jack Mort, in the back of his mind, could feel the pain and was screaming in agony, whereas Roland was just kind of rolling with the punches. Roland, Roland, ing, with the punches. That, my friends, is the goddamn name of this episode. I will tell you that right now. Roland Rolling. Love it. That will finish off this book, which I love. Five out of five, easy for me to give that rating. In the next book, called The Wastelands, we now have our, uh, what they refer to as our Katet, which is these three uh, starting to make their journey towards the Dark Tower. Love it. Um, somehow, when reading a book series like this, life just seems a little bit better. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper